Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done. It's the call-up, and we have a good episode today. It's January 20th, and we're going through the San Diego Padres system, and I'm joined by 2021 broadcaster for their high A affiliate, and of course, my co-host on Just Baseball, the Just Baseball show, Jack McMullen. Hey, man. (laughs) Excited to be here. Uh, Excited to... It just kind of like fly by the seat of our pants on this thing. Um, I like it. I'm, I'm yeah. looking forward to it. So, you know, another top 10 list. Uh, you know, we, we've been churning about one a week out, going kind of in congruence with the schedule and justbaseball.com and the Just Baseball Show. And it's Padres Week, the Just Baseball Show, where you guys were making trades, wheeling and dealing. I was not yeah. included in, in the GM episode this week, uh, but I did put extra time into just fleshing out these prospects because you know what? I'll be honest, I was not that amped about writing up this Padre system. Uh, but the more I did it, this always happens. I'm not that excited about it. And then I dive into it and I'm like, ah, oh, you know, this guy's kind of interesting and this guy's kind of interesting. Yeah. And I end up enjoying the back end a little bit. But there's a few occasions where I feel like I'm forcing it a little bit. Uh, there's some guys that you saw plenty of in high A with Fort Wayne that I'm excited to talk to you about. And then, of course, we're going to talk about the blue chippers at the top, too. Uh, where at the top, they're as good as anybody, but it just drops off pretty quickly. And then we have the mysterious case of Mackenzie Gore, which neither of us are going to pretend we know fully what's going on. But I did watch full starts, basically. By full starts, I mean like every pitch. And then, of course, yeah. it just skips ahead. I'm not watching the other team pitch, but I watched uh, the condensed version, I guess, and uh, picked up some really interesting things from Gore start to start that I think will be some interesting talking points. But I mean, there, there's one guy that we have to start with, right, Jack? And I mean, I, I felt bad that you were gypped of seeing this guy because he skipped high A. We were hoping that he wouldn't skip high A. But C.J. Abrams made the jump straight to double. So you did not get to see him, if I'm not mistaken, right? You didn't get any C.J. Abrams. I didn't get any C.J. Abrams, which stunk. Uh, but the good news is I'm a prospect fiend, just like you, not to the severity that you are, but I still Severity, watch. interesting choice of word. Yeah, I, I'd call it a severe uh, 
<laughs> Would I call it a prospect addiction? I'm not sure. Uh, but yeah, I mean, definitely not to the severity or intensity uh, that you are, but I love my prospects. Um, and uh, I hope to be on the call up uh, a, a little bit more than just as a former Padres farmhand broadcaster here. But yeah, I mean, it's a uh, it's a fascinating system because I just mentioned this on the Just Baseball show too. Um, I've never seen somebody decimate something like AJ Preller decimated the Padres farm. It's Dave Dombrowski-esque. It was kind of ridiculous. Like you look at some of the halls that he sent away. Um, you know, you can go back to 2019 where Fran Mil Reyes is out the door in like a five-team deal, it felt like. And, you know, I I think I think this was the fun thing. Uh, there are more. So Fort Wayne was for a long time, the low A affiliate of the Padres. Now they're the high A affiliate of the Padres. There were more Fort Wayne Tin Caps alums playing in the bigs for the Cleveland Guardians last year than the San Diego Padres. (laughs) That's a crazy fact. It's crazy. And then there's a ton of Mariners too, like Ty France being one of them. Like the Padres have just shipped off a ton of guys uh, and you know, when Joey Cantillo comes up for Cleveland or when Xavier Edwards comes up for Tampa Bay, AJ Preller is going to be sitting there. Like I had that guy in my system and I let them walk for Blake Snell and a year of Mike Clevenger. Like that's what AJ Preller does. So we're looking at a system that is not what it once was still has some good pieces, but is a shell of itself. And you're forgetting a big one, too. One of my favorite guys going back to the Locked On MLB Prospects podcast, uh, Ty France, who I've literally labeled. I mean, he's like the guy that I use is the Ty France effect for any prospect that, in my opinion, is overlooked because they lack a true plus tool, but they absolutely hit. Vinny yeah. Pascantino is one of my favorite examples of that, or Jonathan Aranda with the Rays of that Ty France effect. But it's funny because until you said that, I almost – it's like extreme to say I almost forgot, but it almost slipped my mind for a minute how good this Padre system used to be. Like this was the system. This was the system. I, I'm looking at 2019. Of course, Fernando Tatis, you bring him up and, and that's quite fine. But just listen to this freaking system, Jack. It's it's crazy in 2019. Tatis, Gore, Luis Urias, Francisco Mejia, Chris Paddock, Luis Patino, Adrian Morahone. Michael Baez, Logan Allen, Ryan Weathers, Josh Naylor, Cal Quantrill, Xavier Edwards, Tirso Ornelas, Buddy Reed, Luis Camposano, uh, Tusapita Marcano, and then Gabriel Arias, top 100 guy too, and this is in the 25 spot. Owen Miller is a decent prospect. Blake Hunt as well, and Reggie Lawson. That is insane. Yeah. Insane. It's an all-star team. And, and I would love to go through one by one and just see which pronunciations you screwed up. Cause that's my MO. I'm the pronunciation guy. I'm the asshole when it comes to that. But uh, what I bought, yeah, I mean, what, what did I botch? Michelle Baez, not Michael Baez. Uh, uh, and I almost skipped him. I almost skipped him. Tucupita, not Tucupita. Tucupita. Tucupita Marcano. Uh, there were a couple others there, but you know what? Screw it. I'm, I'm letting loose. Did I get uh, Owen Miller? Okay. You got Owen Miller just okay, fine. Good. Yeah, no, Dan Smith, BYU. The, <laughs> Blake the Hunt. Teal. Yeah, Blake Hunt, you're good. Um, also, I'm I'm a lot more credible now because I'm holding a baseball. You're holding a baseball. That. Yeah. yeah. So, like, I can – when we talk about Mackenzie Gore and we talk about the change-up, I can, I can give you a change-up oh, grip you gotta to get, make myself – Give me the yeah. change-up grip. Yeah, but, I mean, I this is an insane 
system. And I understand like, you got to go for it. You got to win. I'm always going to be the guy that's like, Whoa, look at these prospects. He gave up. I just think that Preller overestimated their ability to be able to just magically reload. And I think we're seeing that it's not that easy to just reload, especially when your team's competitive at the big league level. And we're going to talk about it because they went with the upside in the last draft going with some guys that high risk, high reward, wide range of outcomes. When we get to James Wood, for example, yeah. uh, that's, that's what I think they're trying to do here is, is try to catch lightning in a bottle with some of these wider range of outcome guys to try to make up for what they did in terms of depleting the system. Yeah. It was just kind of ridiculous. And you think about most general managers, you think about the other 29 general managers with the exception of maybe Dave Dombrowski and uh, you look at them and say, okay, like they value development here. <laughs> and AJ Preller, when he got there, he valued development for sure. He had some incredible international free agent classes. Like there are some years where, you know, out of nowhere, Emmanuel Classe signed with the San Diego Padres. Like it's that type of thing. He does a great job at finding diamonds in the rough. And a lot of that has to do with his support staff, yep. uh, which has sin, since been canned. Yeah, I was going to say um, they got canned. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Since been fired because Preller traded everybody away. Uh, but, you know, he has had this like change in philosophy where he went from, we're going to stockpile the shit out of the farm to, we're going to burn the farm down and yeah. try and win in the next five years. And it's backfiring. It, it has because they're, they're now, they've now put themselves in this purgatory, which is the worst place you can be, right? You either load up on prospects and plan for the future, which they're never going to do as long as Preller is there. Yeah. And, and I, they shouldn't, they shouldn't do that, right? Like they, they're too talented at the big league level. But the way I look at it is each prospect and not to dehumanize them, but each prospect is an asset. And you have a finite amount of assets and you need to use those assets to acquire, you, you put them together and you acquire a bigger asset. And you can only do that so many times, right? You can only redeem your prize so many times until you're depleted. And so if you whiff on those redemptions, you're in trouble. And, and I will say though, this Padre system still has some really exciting pieces. And I'm very curious to see if they trade from some of these still again. I think C.J. Abrams has to be untouchable. And that's who we'll start with, right? I mean, C.J. Yeah. Abrams is so special. And I personally think he could play shortstop at, at a very good, very good clip. Like, I think he could be an above-average defender there. Obviously, you have Tatis there. And that's an entirely different conversation that I'm sure we'll have on the Just Baseball show at some point, which is just, is, is Tatis going to stick at short forever? The defensive questions are one side of it. The injury questions are another side of it. And you have a guy that could probably play shortstop, but the offensive profile for Abrams more fits a second baseman and he'd probably be a gold glover at second base or could also play center field as well. If you needed it with his 80 grade speed, I think he could play short. I don't really have a strong feeling one way or another, just kind of my job to say, I think he's capable based on all of the film I watched. That's what, what I'll say there. But uh, I'm curious what you think in terms of Abrams, like, would you consider putting him at shortstop in the future? Is, is that Tatis's position till the, till the end of time? It's Tatis's till the end of time. And I say that because Tatis has more range and he's got a better arm. Is Tatis a little bit more error prone? Yeah. But Tatis also has a two-year head start on Abrams. So like we could see Fernando Tatis come out in 2022 with a healthy shoulder 
and totally solve the error problem. Do I think it's going to happen? No, but I think he's going to take a step there. Like, I think he's going to work on defensive cleanliness. A lot of them were throwing errors too, which is the thing is like, that's a, that's just a tweak, right? I mean, that's just a small release point thing, footwork thing, whatever it is that's affecting where he's releasing the baseball and how it was getting away from him. Yes. He booted some here and there, but even if he just cuts down the throwing errors, he's in a much better place. You mentioned the range. And of course, I don't think there's a lot of guys that have the range that Tatis has, which is the reason why you keep him there. But I will say I was very impressed with, with how much Abram's speed actually did translate to his range at shortstop. Of course, he doesn't have the arm to execute some of those plays. If he gets to a ball in the hole that Tatis can make. Uh, but I was really impressed with the way that Abrams was able to close in on baseballs and, and really just, got better and better as the year went on, uh, which is just a good thing to be able to have, even if you're going to move him from short, to just know that he is capable there when you're in a pinch or God forbid, if Tatis goes down again. Yeah, I agree. And I think that, so here is my perfect world uh, thing for the San Diego Padres. I think um, you somehow get Hosmer off the books. Somehow get Hosmer away from San Diego, whether it's the bench, whether it's free agency, whether it's another team that wants to eat 5 million of his 21 that he's got coming up, just get Hosmer away, slap Cronenworth at first. As soon as Abrams is ready, Cronenworth at first, Abrams at second, Tatis at short, and Machado at third. And that's the best infield in baseball yeah, that might be by my, such a wide margin. That might be my favorite infield in baseball. It's not, it's not easily. What else competes with that? The Dodgers, Atlanta. Uh, that might be it. Yeah. That's that, fun. It's fun. So I, I think Abrams fits really well at second base. I think Cronenworth is a good first baseman. Um, oh, yeah. He's a fine second baseman, but I actually think he's better defensively at first. Um, and Tatis, here's my hot take for you. I think within three years, we're talking about Tatis, like best defensive shortstop in baseball. Like, I think he's going to make that type of correction because he doesn't have much to work on at the plate. And he no, doesn't have much to work okay on there. athletically. I think he's okay at the plate. He's fine. And he's okay. fine athletically. He's fine stealing bases, all that. If he can stay healthy, where he needs to improve is defensively. And if you only have to focus on taking ground balls and just let everything else, like, kind of function the way that you've been functioning, that's a quick change for somebody as athletically gifted as him. Absolutely. And, and you know, the one thing with, with Tatis is, even if he's not making a ton of contact, when he does make contact, the quality is, is, is phenomenal, right? And that leads me into something with Abrams, right? Abrams is, is a hit tool guy. I have a 70 on his hit tool, uh, which, you know, there's only less than a handful of guys in the minor leagues that fit that mold. And I, I have him there because he walks somehow, even though nobody on, on God's green earth wants to put him on base, he still walks. He spoils yeah. tough pitches, puts the bat on the ball. And the speed also just allows for him to get a base hit out of something that most guys don't get a base hit on. However, people really sleep on the power potential that CJ Abrams has. And I don't think this is something I've tried to emphasize because we saw him. Do you remember spring training? He hit two backside homers. And I know you're just saying, okay, he hit two homers. These were backside homers. If you have below average power, you are not backsiding, meaning for for those who might not know what that means, just catching a ball deep in home plate and hitting it the other way, inside outing it for a home run. When he goes pull side, Jack, I give him 55 grade power to the pull side. He put one line drive 108 already way out of the park earlier this year or this past year in 2021, like pull side, I think he has comfortably above average power 
And then as an overall grade, I'd put just above average power. And I mean, with his speed and tools, that's that's a top five, seven prospects, I think, by midseason next year. And dude, he's skinny as shit. Yeah. Like imagine when he gets a little bit of like that mid 20 strength on him. Like when he's 24 years old, we're looking at MVP. Like that is what CJ Abrams can be. And, you know, we talked about it on the Tuesday episode of the just baseball show, Jack or uh, Peter thought about I'm Jack. I, <laughs> You're I Jack. I yeah, I'm Jack. Uh, but Peter, you know, threw out a couple of trades and I know you got to talk about it tomorrow on the just baseball show, but uh Peter threw out a couple of trades. One of them was was Hosmer and Abrams in a salary dump for Drew Waters. So you get a really good prospect in return. Um, I pushed back on that one. I was cool with Hosmer and Camposano, and we'll get to Camposano in a little bit, for Jeter Downs to the Red Sox. Like I don't hate it because obviously the Red Sox are winning that trade Camposano for Downs, and then they're eating some of that contract too just because they want it so handily. Um, but I, I just can't watch Abrams walk away. And with how many prospects the Padres have allowed to walk away, yeah, none of them have MVP potential. Well, Abrams has multiple MVP potential. Yeah, if it all comes... And, and you know what the irony is, Jack? Well, and first of all, before I forget, I hated both of those trades with a burning passion. Uh, but And we'll get to it. I liked the first one. We'll talk about it. Yeah, we'll talk about it. You know what the, the very obvious comp is for C.J. Abrams, right? I mean, it's 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 uncanny. Byron Buxton? No, well, no, but not far off. I would say Trey Turner. Yeah. Because look at the power that Trey Turner walked into this year, where now he's pushing almost 30 home runs. He was always the speed guy that could hit you 10-15, and one of the fastest players in the game, unreal hit tool, a uh, good defense, whether, you know, he was a shortstop, obviously, but you, you could put him all over uh, and he would have been great. I see that as, as the very direct comp. And ironically, the Padres traded away Trey Turner when it was too early. I think that they, they're going to learn their lesson. I think Abrams is somebody that can help them. He could be that there's not very many prospects that I think can help you when you call them up, you know, to make a run. I was thinking about the 03 Marlins with Miguel Cabrera. Like that, that's when you knew he was special because not that many players can jump onto a big league team. Xander Bogarts in 2013. Bogarts. There's not that many players that can do that and help you get better right away. Abrams fits that mold because even if he's not raking, he's going to play good defense. He's going to give you top, top, top of the line speed, and he's going to put the bat on the ball. So you're still going to get a guy that's going to help you this year at the big and league if level. You deem, if you deem the bat nowhere ready, He's still he, like he's going to come up in the postseason and he's going to be the best pinch runner in baseball. History. Yeah, he literally will be insane. And and I still think that he's got, you know, if you put him up right now, I think he would hold his own offensively. I, I really I think. think he could survive offensively. I don't think he'd hit the doubles and gappers that you'd want to see, but he put the bat on the ball and he beat out a lot of uh, base hits. And he's not going to start at the big league level. It's not going to happen. No, no. I, if he comes up, I could see him coming up in July or August. Mm -hmm. um, I think if he got an entire year of double A under his belt this past year, then there was a chance he could break camp, but he broke totally. his leg. Yeah. He, I, he wasn't healthy. He only played 42 games this yeah. past year. So with Abrams, like, you know, you have to be okay letting him get back into an offensive groove to open 2022, whether that is at the complex during this lockout or hopefully with El Paso or San Antonio at the double AA, A triple A level, and then get him up when he's ready, but he's not going to be ready off the jump. No, totally not. And I think it'll be sometime in the, in the middle of the season. Uh, but this is a guy that clear number one in the system, 
will be a top 10 prospect in the uh, just baseball 2022 update, which should be coming relatively soon. Baseball America just put out their list and I'm excited to talk to uh, Jeff Ponce about that next week to talk about some of the rankings there. And he's a awesome dude. I had him on the other podcast quite a bit, and that's going to be a lot of fun to ask him some questions there. Uh, But Abrams clear number one, and that leads me to number two. And by the way, you can catch all of these write-ups. It's linked in the description and they're all over at justbaseball.com with the full article with all the scouting grades and write-ups, but Robert Hassel, Robert Hassel really boosted his prospect value. I think when, when we see what he did after the 2020 draft and you look at, you know, you remember people talking about Hassel versus uh, the kid from, well, Zach Veen even, but that that was clear. Like, okay, Veen's the guy, Uh, but like there was Hassel versus Hendrick, right? Which guy should you take? And people were like, well, we don't know how much power Hassel is going to hit for, but he's got the hit tool. Hendrick's got a ton of power, but doesn't have the hit tool. I think you see that betting on the guys that have the hit tool with power projection always seems to be the better move. And Hassel is exactly that guy. I love the hit tool. The numbers across both levels. Of course, he he struggled a little bit when he got to you in Fort Wayne, but as normally expected as a 19-year-old, 20-year-old, fresh out of the draft, you combine the two levels. He still hit 302, 393, 470, 11 home runs, 48 extra base hits, 130 WRC plus, 19% K rate, 13% walk rate. I mean, this was a spectacular year. There's no way around it. And you got to see a good amount of hassle at the end of the year. I did. Uh, I really like him. I really like the hit tool. I think it plays. There were some at bats where he was a 19 year old in high A. Yep. Uh, and he was just outclassed when he saw a quality starter. I mean, he saw Great Lakes. I want to say he saw Bobby Miller for an at bat. And I think Bobby just threw 98, 98 by him three times. Yeah. Like there were, yeah, I, I saw both ends of the spectrum with Robert Hassel. I saw 0 for 4 with four punch outs. And then I saw a three homer. Three game. homers. Yep. So like, with Hassel, I, I, he's not either of those. Uh, he is going to be 20 to 25 homers when you have a fully fleshed out Robert Hassel. I also think with a fully fleshed out Robert Hassel, the K rate goes down. Mm-hmm. Um, he was playing beyond his years in high A. I mean, you look at a 19-year-old in low A, and this guy had a 139 WRC+. plus. I mean, he was 323 with a 415 OBP. He was one of the best hitters in low A West. Granted, the ball is like it's on the moon there. It just goes 500 feet after it comes off of somebody's bat. But Hassel was playing incredibly well. And then he got to Fort Wayne where the average age of a pitcher is like 24 years old. And he was playing five years his senior. And he looked like he was playing five years his senior. So he's going to take a little bit more time. He's not a 2022 call up. No. To be honest, I don't think he's a 2023 call up but I think he could break camp in 24. And I think it was really good that he, he was able to even get a taste of high a, like you talked about getting blown up by Bobby Miller, but also having the three home run game to get that kind of feeling going into the off season of, I can really be a dude. I'm sure he already knew that, but it's something that is just, is a good feel to have going into the off season, but also that 18 game taste of what you're going to get. I mean, I just talked to Griffin Conine, on the last episode and Griff was just talking about the differences at each level. And the biggest jump is high A to double A, but for a high school guy, low A to high A, you start to see a lot more elevated heaters, right? You start to see a lot more of that high spin stuff. And the one thing that I see with Hassel getting into his swing a little bit is 
he's a guy that is going to kind of like come forward a bit, but he is able to get away with it because he's athletic, his bats quick, and he's still able to keep enough weight and tension in his back hip, but it eliminates the margin for error a little bit where he, he, if he's a little bit out front, he's going to get blown up by Velo. And I think he's got to find a way to iron out some of those kinks. He's got a little bit of that forward move that he got away with in low A and high A you start to see more 95 more frequently. And that seemed to be the struggle for him. So I've also seen Hassel meet an eye high fastball and pump it 430 feet dead center. Like he's got the ability to get up there and get it. He just doesn't do it often. Mm-hmm. He's got to be prepped for the high fastball to go get it. Uh, don't kill me for this comp here, but watching a lot of high school, junior college and minor league Bryce Harper. Yeah, no, that's can, right. You see some of the swing there. You that's- see like how you shift back and then explode forward with every ounce of your being. That's so that was the funny thing is I was, I it was in my mind because ironically I was going over Harper's swing with Griffin a little bit before we went live on StreamYard yesterday. And I was talking to him because a big focus for Griff is staying on his back hip. And that's something I always talk about with prospects. But if you look at Harper, it looks like he's launching forward. He is to a degree, but if you look at his back hip, He's still keeping the tension there and he's still really rotating off of it. And that's the amazing thing. And Hassel has that athleticism. Like what Griffin was explaining, he's like, I can't physically do that move. You have to be a freak athlete to do that move. Hassel is a phenomenal athlete and can do that move. Whereas even like a Barry Bonds, who was a great athlete, he realized it's easier for me to just swing off this back leg. And Hassel can make that move work. I think it's still finding that. I mean, it took Bryce Harper even some time to find that consistency. There was a while where they were attacking him with elevated fastballs when he was going bad. And that's the thing is if you're not able to hold that back hip long enough, if you lose it just a little too early, then you're going to struggle up there. But yeah, it's funny you say that because that is exactly the kind of move that he has. It's not to say he's going to be Harper, but he has the athleticism to be able to make that move work at at the highest level. You know, another thing, they had very similar builds. Harper's thighs were not that big when he was coming up. Like Harper was not a big burly guy. He's gotten burlier just by being in major league baseball. And I mean, getting dad strength now, he, yeah. I think he's got a kid. Um, but you know, with like with Griffin Kona, that's a different type of body than Robert Hassel. Yeah. Hassel is a very skinny person. He will fill out a little bit more. Maybe the swing changes there, but when Harper was coming up as a skinny power hitter, he was throwing his body at the baseball. I mean, he was like trying to, um, you remember that speed skater exercise you do where you push off and you yeah. jump as far and, horizontally as you and can. And you can't do that as a hitter. You, you, it's really- No, you can't unless you overcome that athletically. Yeah. And unless you really like truly believe in your soul <laughs> that throwing your body at the pitcher's mound is helping you hit the ball farther. Yeah. And that's what Hassel does. That's what Harper did. Yeah. And the craziest thing, though, is, you know, I've seen Hassel with that move, like you miss under the baseball and he was still hitting some balls out oppo. Uh, so, you know, he's got the power. I gave him 55 raw. I think that there's a room for a little bit more. I mean, 60. I, the thing is, is you look at MLB pipeline or someone else, they, they hand out 60s a little bit more for me, yeah. 60. And that's not to slight. It's just, that's the it's scales are all relative, right? 55 raw power to me is, is 20 to 25 home runs. If it's all translating in game with, with a high end hit tool and consistent offense, right? 60 right. is plus plus to me is 30 plus. 
Uh, Game is changing. Game is totally changing. 60 used to be 20 to 25 and 70 was 30 plus. And now 60 is 30 plus. But I think the the scouting scales have not reflected that. So I've been trying to be a little bit proactive in that range because think about it. What is 70 then at at this point? So 70 would be a hundred home runs. So we have to, it's all relative. Yeah. Like is 70 Pete Alonso? Like Pete Alonso should be an 80. Yeah, 75, 80. Yeah, he's, he's pretty much right there. I mean, Stanton, 80. There's not that very many guys. The only prospect on our top 100 that is an 80 raw power guy is O'Neill Cruz. And a guy that's actually close to it is, is a guy that we're going to talk about in Joshua Mears, yeah. who actually is a 75. I, I, I was so close to 80, but 80 is like you got to give it to one or two guys. Mears just isn't quite there, but so he's pretty I, damn close. I saw Pipeline at Nico Cavadas at 80 power. Yeah. Um, I didn't like, even know that. I didn't even. I, I believe it. I love like, Nico I, too. I love Nico too. Yeah. No, I here's the thing though. Like if he's 80 power, you got to put everything else at 40, right? Because like power is his game. Is he, does he have the potential of being Pete Alonso? No. Only if the hit tool gets there. Yeah. Right. Like that's the thing. So I guess you could say like, yeah, 80 power, but 40 hit. I don't know. I like the way that you kind of work with this scale opposed to others. I, and the thing is, is I weigh in the hit tool when we're looking at, at the power as well. Like it, it, it matters. That's why you have the raw power and the game power distinction. Like the, the hit tool is incorporated into the game power and hassle is a guy that's going to get everything out of his power when he puts it all together, right? He's going to hit enough that I think he's going to get the most out of his power. And that's the difference, right? It is when you look at a Joshua Mears, he might not get the most out of his power because he might not hit the ball enough and we're going to get to him. So to wrap up on hassle though, the one thing that you told me off the air that, that I, I really thought was interesting is I sent you a text and I said, I'm watching a lot of hassle and I think he's a plus runner. And you said what? I said fast as shit. Yes. He's a plus runner or at least pretty darn close. I put 60 with a slowdown to 55. You know, he's the type of guy that I think he's going to add some muscle, or probably slow down a tick. The reason why I bring this up is I think he can play center field. Yeah. Which enhances his profile so much. Left-handed hitting prospect that even if he's a 55 runner, can be an average defender in center field with some power. That also takes some pressure off of the power. 20 to 25 home runs, 280 hitter that gets on base at a 350 clip and plays average defense to above average defense in center and can swipe 10 to 15 bags. Sign me up for those guys every day of the week. I mean, it's like Michael Brantley in center field. We talk about Tatis. We talk about Abrams. We talk about all these guys. The way that the windows are lining up, I think Robert Hassel is the center fielder of the future for the San Diego Padres. Because when Hassel is ready, Trent Grisham's only going to have a year of control left, probably. He's probably entering his third year of arbitration. If Hassel's early, maybe his second year of arbitration. So... If you want to dump Grisham and get a good return, I think Trent, I think Trent Grisham is really good. I think he's well, really good. Well, don't forget, Grisham might one of those guys could could move to a corner. I mean, they're going to lose Myers. They're going to lose a right. lot of the other guys that play in the outfield there. So I think there, there might be room for both. I, I think so. And I think Trent Grisham, he's an amazing defensive center fielder. I think he's one of the best defensive center fielders in the game. And I think Trent Grisham has like all-star capabilities. I'm really high on Trent Grisham. Um, I know he had a bad second half, but like, the way that that body kind of transforms, you know, he's a thick cut guy. He's really athletic, but say he hurts a knee, right? If he can't move like he used to, if we're having that conversation in two years, three years, 
why not have the young buck in center and hassle and move Grisham to right? And I and I love, I love the, the idea of the flexibility of it too, right? Like you can move it around. Like you can put Grisham in center field sometimes. You can put hassle in center field at times if you're in a pinch. Right now, I still think Grisham's that guy for a while. But if you want to give him the day off here or there, you know that you can put Hassel there. And I think Hassel is a plus defender and left. Yeah, he's got to work on it. He said it himself um, when we had a chance to talk to Hassel when he got to uh, Fort Wayne. We said, what do you want to work on? And he said, defensively, I got a lot to work on, Um, whether it be jump, whether it be pursuit, whether it simply be arm. um, I think he's committed to learning defense. I think he's going to be a good defender. When yeah. these really good athletes commit to learning defense, yeah, it's, it's flip over. of a switch. It's yeah. over. It's just, it's, it's some of these guys just don't really commit to it, but it's, especially in the outfield, it's, it's really just about reads and, and quickness. Right. And, and those are two things that you, you can't change top scale speed as much, but you can change quickness and, and explosiveness and time to your top speed and your reads as well. Jump veils speed, like jump totally overshadows speed. Yeah. That was, if you have a good jump. Yeah, if you have a good jump, you can be slow as shit and still get to a ball 110 feet away. 100%. 100%. And and we see some guys do that really well. Really, yeah. really well. Uh, so the next guy is an interesting one. And and, and I think we have some differing, uh, I guess, perspectives in terms of, of how much he might be a part of this team's future because you think this might be a guy that Preller ends up shipping out if they're looking to make some moves. I don't disagree with that. But Luis Camposano, it's number three for me. Uh, I know some people draw some conclusions about what he did at the big league level last year. The thing with that is he should have never been there ever. It was ridiculous to put him up there. I know they were in a pinch, but that was ridiculous. He made a jump from, you don't have a catcher make a jump from high a to the big leagues. And not only that, I mean, look at like Dylan Dingler. I always mention him because he was one of my favorite catching prospects. I know you love him too. Yeah. He goes from high a to double a had to focus so much on just catching that his yeah. offense took a huge hit. And he said it himself. His coach said it. Everybody said it. It was like, it's a big learning curve for a catcher because you got to do both. Anything he does offensively is a plus. We just want to see him get better at calling games and handling the pitching staff. Yeah. Imagine doing that from high A to freaking the big leagues, dude. It, it was unfair to Camposano, and he was set up for failure. He goes back to AAA, and he hit really well, man. He had a really good year in AAA. 295, 365, 541, 15 homers. 122 WRC plus 20% K rate, which is where I think that's going to live for the most part, 8% walk rate, which is more than fine. Those, those are numbers that I I think you're expecting on the high end at the big league level for Camposano, if it all works out. And I I think he's got legit plus raw power and a better feel to hit than some people may think. Does it blow your mind how fucking mental baseball is sometimes? Yeah. Like I'm telling you, when he got to the bigs and he was catching, uh, I mean, it was ridiculous. It was just like, y- you can't focus on hitting. And then when you go down to El Paso, the lights aren't on. The national media is not on you. You know, not like 100,000 people are not watching your game. You might have a thousand eyes on your game. You might have 5,000 eyes on your game, but 5,000 is 20 times less than 100,000, which is where the average viewership on any given minute usually lies for local baseball telecasts. Um, With Camposano, in a low-stress environment, he's really, really good. With Jared Kelnick, in a low-stress environment in 2021, he was really, really good. 
And then he got up and the level got a little bit too big for him. So he went back down to Tacoma and the level wasn't too big for him. And he was amazing. He was Jared Kelman. With Camposano, when he's ready, he's going to be a really good big league catcher. He was just nowhere near ready. And oh. it's totally unfair for somebody to write him off for what happened. I totally agree. And, and I think going back to AAA, getting that confidence, and now he looks like he could end up being a piece for them at some point it, it, early in the season. It depends on, on Austin Nola, right? If Austin Nola's, that's another trade that the Padres made. They gave up a decent amount and <laughs> Nola just hasn't been, hasn't been healthy. Let's keep naming them, man. Let's go rapid fire. Yeah, just keep going. And I I really like Camposano. There's questions on, on the makeup. I think those are pretty well documented across across the, you know, a lot of yeah. the different write-ups you see. I mean, I can't speak to that, but all I can speak to is that he's uber talented. You hope that he matures. Uh, there's some leaders in that clubhouse. I, I honestly, as wild as it sounds, I trust a Manny Machado to actually help reel this guy, reel this kid in. I think we kind of saw it with Tatis last year. I even trusted Tatis at this point. Like this is a super talented team that I think could, could kind of help a kid like this develop both mentally and, and physically. And I think he's the catcher of the future and they don't really have anybody else. You know, there's, there's no one behind him. There's no other catching prospects behind him and they traded Mejia away. And that's why I think this is, this is their guy moving forward. I really do. Yeah, I, th- I think so, too. Um, having said that, I think you have three guys in front of him right now. Um, I think when Camposano is ready, the position is his, aside from maybe Austin Nola. But who's to say Austin Nola uh, can't play? I don't know. Who's to say he's going to play more than 40 games this year? Like, we have to see him stay healthy. So when Camposano is ready, and if Nola is not all systems go, it's Camposano's job. Having said that, your guy Jorge Alfaro and my guy Victor Caratini are there. So they can catch, and they're probably better big league catching options on opening day than Luis Camposano is. Now, if Camposano is raking in El Paso and he gets the call up, he's automatically a better option than Caratini and Alfaro. But off the jump, I actually think they feel zero urgency with him, which is a great thing because they felt all sorts of urgency when they called him up the first time. I think the acquisition of Alfaro is is a little bit telling that they want Camposano to have some more time down there. I think that's a good point. I also think Alfaro is is not going to uh, not going to be that guy, but I, I think it was a good flyer for them, and I think they want to see how it looks for for a couple months before maybe calling up Camposano. I think if if Alfaro struggles, they'll call up Camposano. So I, I like I like the situation there, and yeah, there is no rush. But ultimately, 2023 beyond, he's definitely that guy. Uh, this next guy at number four <laughs> is a, a conversation in itself uh, that could probably be an entire podcast alone. Mackenzie Gore. I mean, none other than what was the number one pitching prospect in baseball. Uh, was, you know, one of the more shoe in type guys when it comes to what we would expect, right? That's like, he was a safe, safe bet. He was high floor with Cy Young ceiling. Yes, correct. He was high floor. And then the floor fell out from under him. And it was an ugly year, man. I mean, the only thing that masks the overall numbers a little bit is the fact that he was really good at the complex site. (laughs) If you take away the complex numbers, his, his numbers are brutal, especially in the command department. He had a different look at, I watched five different starts. 
I saw four different windups and, and releases. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm okay with that because he obviously had to tinker and figure things out. But here's the problem, Jack, is that he was a guy that really was able to ride his, his four above average pitches and great command. Now you change what you have going on here with, with your release point, with your mechanics. And at that point, you're going to have different release points. You're going to have different feel for your offerings. And that's a problem because then he lost the feel for the changeup. Like the, the new mechanics helped him find the fastball a bit more, but then he lost the feel for the changeup. Uh, he, he started to feel the slider more, but he lost the feel for the curveball. It, it's all different. All of your body parts that you're trying to time up are different every time you tweak your mechanics. And he had four pitches to worry about that were all kind of interchangeably faltering. And he could never really get them all going at the same time. Think about this. He, he had a supreme four pitch mix at the age of 17. Like all were polished pitches at 17 years old. When you make a mechanical change, you got to figure it out. If you have four pitches, you got to figure it out with four pitches. Like it's not like you just change and then the fastballs, fastball is usually the first to come back to you because that's what you change. That's what you practice with the mechanical change. But when you figure out the fastball, okay, now let's figure out the curveball. Okay, now let's figure out the slider. Okay, now let's figure out the changeup. That's four iterations. And if you saw four different deliveries and five different starts, that is, count them up, I think 16 changes that he had to make there. Yeah, yeah. That's a challenge. That is, well, it's not fair. It's a challenge, but it's an unfair challenge. Like, what are you doing trying to adjust somebody mid-season? Not many people try to adjust mid-season. I understand if you're at rock bottom, you got to figure it out. And like, that's where Mackenzie Gore was for a little bit. There was a stretch of like two months where he had zero injury designation. He just wasn't pitching. Just wasn't pitching. Yeah. There was no proof that he was hurt. He just wasn't pitching. Does anyone know what, what the hell was going on? No. The people that do know, are they going to say shit? No. So like, we just got to figure out which Mackenzie Gore we're seeing. And I think you and I were resorting to the last Mackenzie Gore we saw is the Mackenzie Gore that we're seeing until proven otherwise. Yeah. I think that's a great point. And, and something that I really have spent a lot of time thinking about this, man. And what I've really been thinking about is like, okay, let's wipe the slate clean. Let's, let's forget what Mackenzie Gore was prior to 2021. Forget about it for a second. If you look at Mackenzie Gore as a prospect from 2021 on, he's a 22 year old who has flashed still, if I'm just looking at a vacuum, major command issues, a fastball that still reached up to 96, a nasty slider, a changeup that at times looked like it could be above average, and a curveball that at times looked it could be above average. Like that's still a good, really, really good pitching prospect. And that's why he's still a top 100 guy. Now you loop back in the fact that he has a track record of dominating to a ridiculous tune and that's why you can't give up on him. He's only 22. I don't think anybody's really advocating to give up on this kid yet, but it's just an important point to make. Like I've have seen, of course, the classic social media, like, oh, he's cooked. Right. I mean, but that's, that's just social media. The thing with Gore is I watched his Arizona fall league outing. And I think he is starting to feel out what's going to work for this new version of Mackenzie Gore. And that means slider more than curveball. The curveball was always the better pitch. The curveball was arguably his best pitch. And 
yeah, maybe the changeup, but it was definitely better than the slider. Now the slider is his best offering, and he commands it way better. And he made Lars Newtbar. I, I tweeted out that video, and it's in it's in the write up as well. He made Lars Newtbar look terrible, and that's that's a big leaguer who had big league success last year with fastball slider slider upper eighty slider upper eighty slider. It was gross. The problem is he threw changeups that looked like slow fastballs. They were yeah. just firm, straight, and it looked. And this is a guy that had a plus changeup easily. The curveball is 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 kind of gone. So. Do we play to our strengths here? Fastball that was up to 96 in the Arizona Fall League and a really good slider. I'd say it's it's well above average at this point. Do you just focus on those two and try to find that third pitch and ditch one of the one of the four? I, there's a lot that he has to figure out. And the fact that the Padres are redoing their whole development system, it's kind of a bad time for Mackenzie Gore. I'm sure he's probably doing a lot of things on his own and finding yeah, his own people. It's a really bad time. It's also a really bad time to hit a lockout um, for Mackenzie Gore. I want to bring up the age 22 thing because he's 22 years old. Uh, of the three pitching prospects that we have in the top 10 here, and then I think if you expanded it to 12, 11, and 12 would also be pitchers, Gore is the second youngest. He's just like three <laughs> months older than than one of the other guys. Like, yeah, he is so ahead of schedule. Um, having said that, he just took this massive step back. I, I always say back like, to the, yeah. Oh, sorry. Sorry to cut you off. I was just saying the most important thing is to just, I always say, don't pit a prospect against himself. Yeah. And in this case, that's kind of what we're doing. And, and you got to be able to balance kind of that. But anyway, continue. No, I, I was just going to say with the pitch mix here, you say, let's focus on two because the fastball is such an easy 94. And then the slider is like a really good pitch. I, I think it can be an elite pitch at the big league level. Uh, I think if you are going to have a third that you're going to try and totally find again, I'm not going to give my answer. I want you to give your answer. Which one would you try and get back the curveball or the changeup? It's got to be the changeup. I, I agree. Because it was a really good changeup. It was so good. And also his fastball is, is, is lively and it's going to allow the, the fastball to play up too. You know, I, yeah. I don't, I don't want to see that slider and curveball blend. I, I really think the slider's going to be an unhittable pitch for lefties. It already is right now when he locates it. Just he's, he had the changeup. He's yeah. got to find it again. It was so damn good in 2019. Opponents, I think, had an OPS. I put it in the write-up of 227 against it. And he yeah. threw it like 20% of the time in 2019. No, I mean, listen, like – and I, I, that changeup was elite. I saw it during a, a rehab starter, I guess, just like a true start in Fort Wayne because it wasn't a rehab start. I mean, again, two months of just like no injury designation. He just didn't pitch. Um, I saw his lone start with Fort Wayne, like the changeup actually looked really, really good. So the slider and change looked great. The fastball was there. Um, I think his curveball got a little bit of this liberatory treatment where it's just super aesthetically pleasing, but it's actually not that great. It's too slow. It's yeah. too slow. And that's why I was, I'm, I'm really campaigning against 74 mile an hour curveballs unless you're Rich Hill. Uh, or Zach Granke. Or Zach Granke. I, I, there's two campaigns I have. Ozzy Albee, stop switch hitting and stop throwing 72 mile an hour curveballs. Those are two things that I'm very much looking at. Uh, but, you know, in summary on Gore, he's still 22. He's going to have a full season here in the minor leagues to continue to work through things. Of course, the timeline is adjusted and that sucks, but you got to kind of forget the past a little bit here and just still look at a 22 year old prospect that has all the tools and has unreal athleticism on the mound. And I think he got past, I was watching starts in June. 
He was throwing 89, 91 and aiming it. You could just tell he was aiming it. He was letting it fly at 94 to 96 in the Arizona Fall League. He was not fantastic in the Fall League, but things looked a lot better and he looked a lot more confident. And I think that that's going to be the thing to look at going into 2022. Uh, And hopefully he can continue to build off of it. I just think he's too talented to not figure it out in some way. Maybe he's not the Cy Young winner that we thought he could be, but he could still be a darn good big league pitcher. And and that's still going to be something that I think you got to be happy with. Uh, when we look at a Mackenzie Gore, uh, we'll fly through the back end of these guys because a couple of recent draftees that you know we don't have too much on James Wood, for example, Wood is somebody I do like a lot. I mean, he's six seven two thirty, Jack, which is basically Aaron Judge without thirty pounds. So let him put on thirty pounds. He runs pretty well for a six seven dude. He's about an average to slightly above average runner right now crazy, crazy raw power. He hit a ball in the Texas Rangers new stadium that went like 30 rows deep. He's got crazy pop and he's not even using his lower half at all. He's an armsy swinger at this point and is already putting up some crazy exit velos. If he gets the lower half incorporated, he's going to have massive, massive power. This is a 70 raw power guy right now, but I might tweak it if he starts to get his, his lower half more incorporated And he's got some pretty sneaky, good bat to ball skills for a player of his profile. I loved this pick in the second round. Uh, They, they went under slot with Jackson Merrill, who's the number six prospect uh, in order to go way over slot to sign James Wood. And this is that move for the upside to try to reignite this system. I think from AJ Prowler and co. Think about it. I mean, this guy in 101 plate appearances only had a 32% strikeout rate. And I say only like you could think I'm joking, but only 32% being six, seven. I saw him listed at 240. Where'd you get 230 from? And maybe it's 240. I, but like, I, I regardless. Yeah. A thick six, seven. I mean, this guy, he is, uh, it's the judge factor, but it's also like the Bruno Caballo factor, the Brazilian Kevin Durant, who was two years away from being two years away. Like, yeah, you're just selling me on upside. And it's amazing. Shout out Fran Fraschella for the Brazilian Kevin Durant thing. That Bruno Caballo draft night thing when Caballo got drafted was a top five moment. Poor oh, guy. my God. It was amazing. Um but yet, like Wood is, he is the definition of a lottery ticket. Like when you look at him walk in the room, it's like, oh, you're a superstar athlete. Yeah. There's a chance he could be that. Um, I also want to shout out Northwestern women's basketball uh, because his sister, Sydney Wood, is, plays for the Wildcats. Um, and then Veronica his mom. Burton. His mom, his, right? Uh, his mom was a basketball player. His dad was a professional in Europe. He was a basketball player as well. Um but I, I do want to shout out one of Sydney Woods teammates at Northwestern, Veronica Burton, maybe the best defensive basketball player in women's college basketball. Ooh, okay. uh, and also sister of Kayla Burton, who was when we were juniors at Syracuse was a grad student. She now works at NFL network, Kayla, really cool person. And her sister is killing it. So yeah. needed to get that shout out. Talented in. family on both sides, the woods and, and, and your friends there. I mean, yeah, I, I, a small world, right? Is it crazy how you can like kind of play that like Wikipedia game where you yeah. can like connect everything around? But I James Wood's Wikipedia. mother, and I'm sorry, I don't have her name in front of me. She's the all-time leading scorer, I believe, for Washington. Yeah. No, oh, I mean, like that's a basketball family and Wood all of a sudden turned to baseball. Uh, well, name is he, Paula Wood. And then Kenneth oh, Wood was the, uh, the basketball star. And he hooped before moving down. He was a Maryland guy. He was a cold weather kid too. That's a thing too. It's not like he was playing high-end competition all the time. Made the jump down to IMG Academy where then he played a lot of high-end competition. Late emergent pop-up prospect 
after he made that move to focus on baseball. And I, I agree, only 32% carry because this is a guy that went from cold weather after a year, a year or two in high school and then straight to pro ball. And I thought really held his own. Uh, I watched a lot of those ABs uh, and prospects worldwide. Thank you. They, they do a great job of just getting every player that's those guys are ever and in, in every small league recent draftees and they've got everything on YouTube. And I was able to watch a lot of those ABs and I, I thought he was really comfortable up there for the most part for a guy that's six, seven. I think that the profile, like you said, is extremely high risk, but I think his athleticism and his bat to ball skills hedge the risk a little bit relative to his profile. That That's I something think- I was pointing out. Yeah, I mean, I think in 2026, people are going to be wearing James Wood jerseys. I, I totally could see it, man. And like, he's the athleticism is what's huge. Aaron Judge doesn't swing and miss a lot because he's so athletic and can do yeah. things with his body that most six, seven dudes can't do. I think Wood could enter that territory in terms of that mobility, athleticism, and just ability to, to just move and maneuver that guys that size usually can't do. I agree. So the guy, number six, another guy I don't have too much on, Jackson Merrill, pop-up prospect, high school guy that they actually went under slot on in the first round to be able to go get James Wood in the over slot for the second round. So you could almost look at it like trading back in the first round here to move up in the second round. And basically they had two first round picks here, basically, or two early second round picks, however you want to look at it. But they traded back with the Merrill pick to trade up to get Wood. And Merrill is not a guy that, I'll be honest, excites me a ton. Uh, yeah. not, not to slight him in any way. I mean, he was a guy that was just another pop-up prospect that started to boost his stock as, as you know, it got closer to the draft. Great feel to hit, uh, good bat-to-ball skills, balanced tools across the board. Nothing really jumps off the page. There's not too much to say about him at this point other than he's got a high floor. I think he's a guy that's going to make a lot of contact. He's a guy that, you know, can probably stick at short. There's some question there, but I think he can play all over the infield. So you have a left-handed contact oriented bat with maybe above average power potential that can move all over the infield. I think that's kind of what you're looking at in the best case scenario. Yeah. I, he is, he's six, three, one So he looks like the best player on the high school team when mm-hmm. he gets off the bus. It's like, Oh, this kid's tall. He's strong. And of course he plays shortstop. Uh, I, I think he's got shortstop potential. He can absolutely stay at short. Um, he was also born in 2003, so we might as well just start talking about eight-year-olds now. Yes, it might like actually. It, when I start seeing those, it starts freaking me out, man. It's like what the hell? But he's a guy that probably could have benefited from going to college, you know. But that's I always say it's impossible. He's he's extremely young. It's impossible to to put limits on these kind of guys. He's 18. He just turned 18. Like just turned 18. Yeah. We can get into it farther on another episode, but my thinking has totally changed. I was like, go to college, get your education. Now, if you can go in the first round out of high school, I, I go agree. get your fucking bag, dude. I, I agree. I agree. I agree. But I, I will say, I mean, I, I talked to some guys that went to college and, and they don't regret it at all. I mean, of course, you get hurt. It's a different story, but there are pros to either side. Yes. You can't go wrong. But now this is a guy that I really like. This guy you didn't get to see too much of, but... I mean, you did some digging after I, I sent you some video. He's super funky. Robert Gasser, left-handed pitching prospect, number seven overall. And I really like this guy. They got him in, in I believe it was a comp B pick, 71st overall in this 2021 draft. Exact yeah. slot value bonus. Another late emerger 
who really made a name for himself after going out for out with Ty Madden and shutting out Texas in seven innings for Houston. And he had a phenomenal year. So an uptick in his VLO. He's funky from the left side. He's got a nasty slider. He's shown a good feel for a changeup. We're looking at a, a funky lefty with three pitches that he commands pretty well. And saw a recent uptick in VLO. This is a great profile, Jack. Yeah, I I saw on pipeline he was sitting high 80s and then he got up to topping at 96. Like, and that's a one-year change. Yep. That's an eight mile an hour change in one year. That's crazy. It's dumb. What what I was focused on with the videos that you were sending me was the delivery, because the delivery is a lot like a guy that we're about to talk about. Um, but it's just harder. Like it's it's 96. Um and and he does a great like he's going to be one of the great tunnelers I think when he when he cracks into the bigs because you sent me some footage of a fastball a slider and a changeup and you you sent these without saying the pitch type and you know naturally watching a ton of baseball like we do like you can pitch up you can pick up pitch types and I I sat there and I kept scrolling back and forth between the fastball and the changeup and I was like this is the same pitch until it's like 10 feet away from the hitter. And then it's not the same pitch. I, I call it the slingshot, right? Like somebody, and I always, I always go to this guy because he just does it so well, but Trevor Rogers, right? Trevor yeah. Rogers never had that great of a changeup in the minors, yeah. but really developed it to be pretty decent. His fastball developed even more. And I really still think that his changeup movement profile isn't that insane, but because it's so hard to differentiate from the fastball, he slingshots his arm uh, from the left side, hides the ball so well that you don't know which it is until it's too late. And that's the other thing is for guys to have that kind of success with the changeup, you've got to have that fastball that plays well up in the zone, that four seamer type. And that's what Gasser has. So it's from that low three quarters, it takes off. And then you have the changeup that dips down. And then he's got a slider, man, that if you're a left-handed hitter, it looks like it's coming at your front hip. It looks like it's coming at your front hip. And I gave it a 55 present, 60 future grade. The changeup, he doesn't command it enough to get you know a plus grade yet, but I think it could potentially be plus. I think it's more above average. But the fact that both of those pitches, the fastball and the changeup, are going to play off of each other so well, I think both of those pitches are going to play up a lot. I think this guy can be a solid number three if it all works out, if he continues to, to, to tap into everything, with the fallback of you know probably a, a really nasty bullpen arm. You make my eyes light up whenever you drop a number for a starting pitcher because you know I'm going to overshoot it. Um, I think three is fair. I was going to say, like, he's got two stuff, but he doesn't have two stuff. He's got three stuff. I always overshoot it by one. I don't know (laughs) what my problem is. I think... I, I think from here on out, like I'm gonna I'm gonna think internally, like what number I'm I'm thinking, and then downgrade it by one. And if I'm off, and if you say I think he could be a two, then I'll I'll say, oh yeah, I agree. Yeah, I agree. So, yeah. Trevor Rogers is a two. Yeah, like from here on out, I've got it. I've got a register in my mind that I think he's a two, and then when the words come out, I gotta say he's a three. So I always got to downgrade by one, but yeah, I mean, I could see three stuff. You're getting a starting pitcher here. I love the late bloomer thing because that, if you're like, Oh, well, I don't know how, who he is and he's number seven on their top 10. How is he going to be a number three? Well, it's because he's just emerging now. And this is a guy that we're, we put on the, I think watch list usually has a negative connotation. He's on the good watch list <laughs> he's on the good watch list right now. Uh, not, not the one for, for bringing bad stuff on a plan. Yeah, like airports. Doing, yeah. yeah. He, he's not on that watch list. Okay. Uh, 
we got three guys left real quick, and then we'll do like a couple quick honorable mentions. Joshua Mears, we, we teased him a little bit earlier. He's 20 years old. He's hit the ball already 117 miles per hour for a home run. I've never seen like such, I mean, actually I have. Sam Huff is similar to the effortless, massive power. I like it. It's just Josh Mears also swings and misses a lot. 40%, 39% K rate in low A. Uh, but this was his first real season in, in full season ball. And he was a high school guy that also, and there's a trend here, another pop-up prospect. What are you giving his power grade? 75 raw power, uh, future game power of 65. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I, he's, I, he's built like he's a linebacker. I mean, he's one of the strongest dudes that I've seen on tape. And when he when he connects, it, it's effortless. It's right. Effortless. It's it's a when he connects thing. It's it's the football player that plays baseball now. Like yeah. it is the it's going to be the James Wood thing for a little bit. And it is the uh, I'm trying to think about those guys like Pete Alonzo, I guess, out of Florida. He was kind of that. Right. Um, and then he just but he just got it. He just got he just figured he just himself out. It. Yeah. I'm thinking of guys that just swung and missed all the time in minor league baseball, but when they connected, it was like, Oh my God, that thing went to the moon. I mean, even everyone always goes to like Joey Gallo. Right. And I mean, like that was a guy that struck out so freaking much in the minors, like so yeah. much. And Mears, Mears, he played a lot of games in center field last year, which is funny. He's probably not going to stick there, but he's an above average runner right now, which is nuts. Uh, Mears. Here's the interesting thing. Pretty normal chase rates. Like he doesn't chase egregiously. His issue is that he just misses pitches in the zone. But the crazy thing is that I actually don't even hate his swing. So I'm, I'm watching. I was watching so much video, and I was looking. I finally got a side profile of him. And what I realized is he has a leg kick that serves almost no purpose. It's a leg kick that doesn't get him into his backside. It doesn't do anything other than it. he just teeters back with the leg kick and then falls forward. And so there's, there's no purpose of the leg kick other than to just – disrupts his timing like it, it's he struggles to time it up there were times where he was taking a pitch and his foot was just hitting the ground like he you could see and he's like damn i timed it poorly so that one is one is an example of just how raw he is and that's why i'm not too worried i, I actually think that this is a guy that is not your traditional swing and miss guy either honestly i think that there's a little bit more hope for him uh the other thing is after he got into the leg kick when he when he shift the weight very briefly to the backside he would push up. He would launch up off of that backside. And once you do that, I mean, you lose everything. And he's, yeah. and he's doing that. And he's still hitting 117 bombs, like <sighs> with, with an awkward lower half, nothing that you really want to do there and just, just freakish strength. So if he irons some of that out, dude, he doesn't need to hit the ball that frequently. He only has to hit the ball. At, I don't even know, like what once a night. Yes. Once a night. And it's a home run. He had three home runs over 115 miles an hour. Uh, one that was 117, and I think like half of his home runs were over 110. And this this guy doesn't get cheated, and uh, and and he's a, he's a good athlete. So I, I'm I'm excited to see what he looks like next year and if he makes any tweaks. But this was his first full season. I think that's yep. important to know. Yeah. Number nine, a guy that this is your guy, this is your dude. Let's see if I can say this right. Eurebio Angeles. A Uribio on Hillis. Oh my God. Okay. Yeah. It's good enough. A Uribio. A Uribio uh, on Hillis. The amount of times I heard his last name said Angelus. No, was no, no, no. I'm, I'm better than that. I know you are. A Uribio on Hillis. Uh, 19 year old. He 
doesn't really have a defensive identity right now. He can play short, played a lot of short and low A, can play third, played a lot of third and high A at the end of the year. He spent about 20 games in high A. Uh, this guy hits. Do you want to run through his low A numbers with Lake Elsinore this year? Yeah, I mean, the guy the guy just makes so much contact. I was looking at his swing because he's somebody that you were very adamant about. You know, like, just give me a spot, one spot on this top 10. You got to put my guy on Hillis on here. And you know, I, I actually watched him, and I, I totally agree. I mean, this is a an above-average hit tool, but y- you look at the numbers in low A, 343, 397, 461 slash line, which is fantastic. Then he goes up for a cup of coffee with you. Uh, 18 games, just like Hassel up there. And uh, 264, 369, 361, which, of course, yeah, you're, you're not seeing the power, but didn't strike out. 16% or 15% K rate in low A, 18.6% K rate in high A. Walk rate pretty good for a contact-oriented guy. Overall, yep. good numbers. I mean, the question's, of course, going to be, what kind of power is he going to hit for? Don't need him to hit for power. 10, 15 home runs. It's really about the doubles, right? Can he split the gaps? He hit 22 doubles. And that's a big reason why we saw the WRC plus where it was and the slugging percentage above where it was. If he can be a doubles guy that makes a ton of contact. I mean, the zone contact is phenomenal. The bat lives in the zone. It's, it's a line drive driven swing, which is kind of against the teaching nowadays, but I want him to be that guy because I don't want him trying to launch. He's not, he's going to fly out every time, right? This is a guy that needs to be going gap to gap. He knows himself as a hitter. And that's why he reminds me of Donovan Solano. Ooh. Okay. I can see it. I I think that this is an expendable piece for the Padres. I think that this is a piece where, you know, they're kind of trapped in the infield. Like, you know, if they if they go with our model and go with Tatis at short, Abrams at second, Machado at third, like you have no space for Angeles when he's ready. Um, I think this is this is a guy that can get you a big leaguer in return. And the Padres might be kicking themselves that they let him walk because at the very best, Angeles could hit 330 at hey. some point. Like that's the ceiling, 330. And, and steal some bags and I mean, steal some bags and, and, hit and play all homers. over the diamond uh, yeah, hit, and hit 30 doubles, hit 30 to 35 doubles. Like that is this guy. That's this guy. It's uh, only 19 too, which is a yeah. really important distinction. You know, if he was 21, we we're talking about this, it, it'd be a different profile, but to do what he did in, in low way. And then even in high a at, at 19 years old is really impressive. And I, I've got my eyes on him, you know, this year, I, if he adds a little bit of strength, even just a little bit. I mean, he's 5'11", 175. If he's closer to 5'11", 185, 190, uh, I, I really think that, you know, we could be looking at a really interesting piece here. I've got a 55 on the hit tool, uh, but I think, you know, you see him hit this year. You could easily you could easily sell a, a plus hit tool on this kid. And, I mean, that that's enough there to plus hit tool, defensive versatility, above average speed. You know, sign me up for those guys. You can't have enough of those guys. And uh, I agree. I think, you know, one team that does have a lot of those guys is the Padres. So they could look to deal them. Uh, but this is a good piece for them uh, to have and a good guy to have in your system. 100%. So this is our last guy in the top 10. And then we're going to do a couple quick honorable mentions. Probably the only guy that is ranked on a team top 10 that doesn't throw 90. <laughs> Ethan Elliott. Ethan Elliott throws 87 to 89. And I, I feel like people instantly are just like, oh, 87 to 89. Yes, I agree. It's weird. And there's a lot to, to sort out with this guy. Uh, he's 24. But you know what? The numbers between the two levels were good, Jack. 70 and two-thirds innings, 3.06 ERA, 1.10 whip. And this is between high A and double A. 30.3% K rate, 6.6% walk rate. The command is great. Uh, the fastball is 
has every characteristic you need it to have to survive in the upper 80s, which is deceptive, high spin, and ridiculous release in terms of extension. He gets seven and a half feet of extension, which based off of the average amount of extension, which is around six that a pitcher gets, that gives you an extra two miles per hour or so. So you can put him more in the 90 to 91 range. Uh, and then he's a high spin guy. So it plays up a little bit more there too. Fastball is, is, is able to be masked enough. The slider is good. Slider is nasty. There's a reason why lefties did not touch him this year. Lefties yeah. at 187, 245, 308 against him this year yeah. because of that slider. And the changeup, he would lose it arm side. But when he was locating it, a more than good enough pitch to righties. Okay, so I was fine with him losing his changeup arm side because against lefties, it was formulaic. Against lefties, it was high fastball, and then it was slider. And it, you know, drifts away from the barrel. It's a sweeper. Against righties, high fastball, change up that if it's going to miss anywhere, it's going to miss off the plate. Yeah. He had this recipe and he came out like gangbusters for Fort Wayne in May. Again, cold weather, but five starts with Fort Wayne in the month of May. This guy in 24 and two thirds innings allowed just 11 hits, 38 Ks, six walks. That's a 0.69 whip and a 131 batting average against like he started unbelievably well. The weird thing was all four earned runs that month came on solo home runs. Yeah, home runs. It was like the problem. first, it was like seven, his first seven starts, he allowed six runs and they were all via solo home run. Well, because he's a fly ball pitcher, right? He his right. fastball, even though it's 87 to 89, it's it's a fastball that he wants to play up in the zone. The other thing that I actually like that I saw from him is that the slider he would backdoor righties with it. Like he's so comfortable with yeah. it. So that's, that's another look that he get he gets with righties, but the fastball plays up in the zone for him. Like that's what he wants to do. So he's a fly ball guy. That's the challenge because his margin for errors. Then I have a question for you is, is Fort Wayne a band box? No. So listen to this four, three, eight ERA. And um, this is identical amount of innings Four three eight ERA in Fort Wayne, one, six ERA on the road. Huh. He might have just been catching the weird days. Fort Wayne was not a band box. I believe you. Nine of 13 home runs came in Fort Wayne. How weird is that? That is weird. Maybe he just got the seasonably warm days in Fort Wayne. It's blank in my mind. But I mean, this guy was like leading high A central pretty much every time I checked fan graphs and fly ball rate among pitchers. Like if there was contact, it was in the air. Yeah. But there wasn't much contact. He was striking out a shit ton of guys. Like, the way that he gets spin, the way that he extends down the mound and the way that that fastball just rises. I mean, if he gets up to 92, if he's 90 to 92 with the fastball, that's a major league starter. Oh, hundred percent. We're seeing the Nestor Cortez's, the Ranger Suarez's of the world with that similar fastball profile. He's just got to see it tick up a little bit. And, and I think you know, we're, we're seeing guys, I mean, go, go talk to your boy, go talk to your boy, Robert Gasser. Because Robert Gasser saw 10 miles an hour, basically. Like, go talk to him. You only is need, like, Cressy? two. Is it Bodie? Go find out something. I don't know. I don't know. But that slider, worst case, out of the bullpen. And if he's 92, 94, because he's going in a one-inning spurt, or even 90, 92 in a one-inning spurt with that slider, he could be pretty good out of the bullpen. So that's an interesting guy. But speaking out of the bullpen, guy you love, because you're a college yes. baseball, college sports junkie, Kevin Copps. Yes, 47% whiff rate on his cutter 
in college baseball. I pulled that just for you before this Thank over you. on Synergy. He's gross. He will probably be in the bullpen like this year, and they just drafted him this year out of Arkansas in 2020. He's a big league reliever by the end of the year this year. He's a big league setup guy by opening day of 2023. Which which is pretty awesome. <laughs> like, to, I, I, loved, I loved that pick because the Padres are in win-now mode, and they scoop somebody up that can literally help them win now. Another guy that they scooped up, a little honorable mention that I really, really like that I also think is going to help them in this, uh, in this big league season. And it's funny because they, they did that little like undo on the Adam Frazier trade. They yeah. regretted that one quite instantly. Uh, another kind of dumb trade, uh, but they got this guy named Ray Kerr and Ray Kerr is up to 100 from the left side. And he is gross, Jackie. 6'3", 185. He's 27 years old, but he's still a prospect. He's not pitching the big leagues. 100 miles an hour on the fastball with crazy life and a wipeout slider that just, it, it's like a sweeper that is gross as well. Opponents had an OPS of 211 against that pitch last year. The fastball blew guys up. Mark my words, if you're a fantasy player, Put, pick this guy up. I'm serious. If you're in a deep league, pick this guy up. He's going to be a back-end bullpen guy. Ray Kerr is another guy in this system. I know there's one other guy you want to mention that you really like. Uh, I'm going to guess. I, I, we know who it is. I know who it is. You know that I know who it is. Who do you want to mention real quick and pass? Yeah, well, I've got two. One guy that you don't know who I'm going to talk about is Augustine Ruiz. Ruiz ticked up in power big time. He had zero power before 2021, and then all of a sudden he's blasting jacks. bombs left and right to all fields. I mean, it's left, it's right, it's center. From the left side, big outfielder, getting better defensively. Tirso Ornelas, one of my favorite guys to interact with. He is also one of the best doubles hitters in minor league baseball right now. The swing, screams, line drives to all fields. He's got power. He's built like a freak. He's a physical specimen. He's a big league outfielder. How successful in the big leagues? I don't know, but he's a big league outfielder. I was going to say, he, he's, he screams high-end fourth outfielder for me, which is great. I mean, if you're getting that in the back end of your, you know, outside of your top 10, that's great because those kind of guys end up falling into three, 400 at-bats in certain years and, and end up getting some run. And uh, I mean, that's kind of what I see there is, is and maybe even a platoon guy if he, if he continues to develop. But I, I like right high-end pitching. High-end fourth outfielder uh, is, is, a, is a good outcome. And, and you know, there's always a little bit room for more. I like yeah. Ornelas and I like his swing and uh, – really balanced approach at the plate as well. That's probably it. That's all we got, right? I mean, this is a system that's, that's not fantastic, but it's worth talking about. We got to talk about all of them. And, and you know what? It's getting better. It's getting better. Uh, and it'll probably get worse again soon. Right. <laughs> <laughs> that's the Preller special. Yeah. Here's the thing about the Padres system. Um, you know, like there are systems that are exceptionally thin right now. Like the White Sox are just thin. So where's the Rockies are just thin. Like with the Padres, I think with the Cubs too, you got to do some digging, but there's some stuff there. Like oh, yeah. there's some stuff to get excited about here and there. So you've got the blue chippers at the top, obviously. And we talked about the fantastic four with them with Abrams, Hassel, Gore, and Camposano. It's a lot like the Cubs when you've got Brennan Davis sitting at the top, but when you get into the five to 10 range, even, you know, 11 to 15, you're like, okay, like, is there stuff here? And then you do some digging. It's like, you know what? I can get behind a couple of these guys. So this, this Padres system, it's not deep, but it's got some excitement. 
there's a lot weighing on the development of Wood and Merrill um, yes. and, and Mears. I'll say that yes. they need one of those guys to, to pan out. And, uh, you know, I, I think there's a chance that one of them really could. And if, if the thing is, if, if, if one of Wood or Mears pans out, <laughs> you're looking at a superstar. Yeah. Uh, so you know, that's the exciting thing. So, Jack, you're, people are going to get used to you on this show, but yeah. where can people find you? People can find me uh, on the Twitter sphere at Jack underscore McMullen 11. They can find me uh, calling a lot of ball state hoops. Uh, so <laughs> shout out those fighting cards. Chirp, chirp. Uh, and if you need your daily dose of action, come my way. Also come my way for baseball stuff. But yeah, Aram is uh, constantly on the Just Baseball show with us and hope to be on the call up very soon. Absolutely. Looking forward to doing it again. Jack, thank you very much, my friend. Of course. Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.